And I was never strong enough to even just go to the bank and see what was going on. I just accepted it until we divorced or were separating. Welcome to the Money Without Shame podcast. I'm your host, Amy Schultz, and I'm here to tell you that the story you've been believing about yourself and money isn't true. You're not bad at money. In fact, you were set up for failure from a lack of healthy money conversations growing up to societal conditioning to an economic system that just wasn't made for women. That's why I'm on a mission to remove the shame that I know so many of you feel about your money and empower you to take back control of your financial future. Each week, my guests and I are going to explore the truth behind why money has felt so challenging, using real stories from real women to reveal the external factors that influence our financial lives and offer a way to do and feel better about money without shame. You're not alone and it's not all your fault. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the Money Without Shame podcast. This is your host, Amy Schultz, and I'm so excited for today's episode because I am joined today by one of my longtime clients and friends, Sharon, who's going to share with us her story of overcoming money shame related to divorce. So Sharon, welcome. So excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here, Amy. (laughs) This is just so great to be able to share my story. Yeah. Thank you for being brave. And I know that we've been through a lot together. And so just as much as you feel comfortable sharing, we're happy to hear it. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a single mom to two beautiful adult children. I work as a project manager for a major IT tech company. And I love life. I knit, I sew, I love to bike, and just have all sorts of fun with my children. I remember when you and I met, it was how many years ago? I wanted to say nine years ago. At least, (laughs) at least. Yeah, because I don't think I'd even had my first son yet. So we were probably, and he's almost seven. So it has to be nine years ago. And so Sharon and I volunteered together on the board for the American Liver Foundation. And that's how we met and had never once talked about money. So the funny thing about our relationship is that it, it reminds me of so many times people will come up to me once they realize what I do and just start talking to me about money. And like, actually, I have these fears or this is going on. And so that was one of those eye-opening moments for me. Like, I need to be talking about this more because you never know who is suffering in silence and, like, doesn't know where to turn for help. So tell me a little bit about, or tell our listeners a little bit about your money story, what you've experienced around money. Sure, yeah. Growing up, money was never an issue till I was almost out of the house. I had a younger brother, and that's when I realized my parents were struggling a little bit. My mom was always the person that kept the books, but she didn't teach us. Mm -hmm. And then when I went on my own, I didn't have really problems with money. I just didn't pay attention to it. I just spent and I overdrew something. Oh, we'll fix it next time. Um, And then fast forward to marriage. I met and married a man who took care of our books. And for many of the 25 years we were together, he would do the he would be able to do the checkbook to the half penny. Yeah. And Sharon, where is the 222 check? Where did you write that to? You know, that kind of thing. And so I was confident and and I trusted him and everything seemingly was fine. But at some point in the latter years, he started playing a shell game with Mm -hmm. our money. So I'd go to the grocery store. I'm sorry, ma'am, that was declined. 
and I'd have to call. Oh, I'll move money over. I'm like, move from where? What are you doing? And I was never strong enough to even just go to the bank and see what was going on. Yeah. I just accepted it until we divorced or were separating. And it got to a point that one day he called me because I finally moved my check because I knew I was moving. And I moved it to my own account. And he called and said, I'm short for our rent. And I was like, okay, I'll go get money and I'll put it in the other account. And I got an itemized um, statement. And I was horrified about the amount of money yeah. going out the door that wasn't going to us. And then I moved. And you think you're intelligent enough to set up your own budget and do all the right things. But I never had done that. All I had done was swipe a card for 25 years. So to be able to make myself sit down and write it all out and follow it was impossible. I needed someone to help me. Yeah. And you were starting over. And first of all, thank you for sharing that because I know that was a lot to go through. So thank you for just being here and being willing to, to share that. I know there's so many women who are going through or have gone through or are probably getting ready to go through something similar. When you think about back to the time when you started seeing those charges coming through or like you started getting that that inkling that something might not be right, what was going through your head? What was coming up for you? So when I was still together with him? Yeah, or, yeah. I just would get angry, but then I'd move it on. And yeah. then, because I still was trusting right. that he would eventually do what was right for us. Yeah. And it didn't happen. I think a lot of us, this is something that I hear over and over again, that a lot of us are so conditioned to think that somebody else knows better than money about us, that even when we get these gut instincts about something is wrong, we just push it down. We're like, yes. oh, that, I'm, it must be me. Like, yes. I must be thinking wrong about it instead of being like, okay, wait, like I need to ask. And I think also there's some deep sense of what is the can of worms that I'm going to open if I dig into this. Yeah. And I mean, in retrospect, you see so much more. Yeah. And there's so many questions I could have asked, I could have done, but I was just 100% trusting. He's the breadwinner because I was working very part time. So, you know, yeah. what does it matter? Once you realized what was going on, well, you were already like going through the divorce when mm -hmm. you really realized how bad it was, right? Mm -hmm. It sounds like you were moving out. Who did you have supporting you? I'm a can of worms. I just okay. opened yeah. wide open. <laughs> <laughs> and the first help actually was the church I was attending at the time. Amazing. Well, no, actually friends first. Yeah. I had a friend. I had stopped eating. I had stopped cooking. And she had me over and made dinner for us. And she's like, Sharon, you have all sorts of parties at your house. Give me a list of people who can bring you guys meals. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, well, do they know? I was like, no. Can they know? Sure. I just haven't talked to anybody. Yeah. So she ended up calling. I ended up giving her mostly people that were my best friends from church from 2002 when Ethan. Yeah. 2002. We started at that church and each of them would walk in and bring me a meal and pray with me. And mm. one of my good friends said, have you heard of divorce care? I was like, no. Well, he's, he's like, look for something like that at your church or look for it online. And Lo and behold, two weeks later at my church, they were signing up for that. Wow. And it's, I don't remember, eight, 12-week course. And it's just going through the whole process of separating and or divorcing and teaching you that it's a grief process and, you know, tying it into the Bible. 
And that was my first support group, those friends from my old church and this divorce care group. Without them, I would still be in the fetal position that I was in. And then just I have a huge family and I just keep making more and more friends because I will just say what's going on in my head. And then that next person will talk to you about it or their experience or they have no clue, but they're here to listen. How was that? Well, and how long was it before you got help around money? Because you're like between the from the time when you realized, wow, I have to learn all this on my own. I've just gotten out of this yes. situation to the point where you So that did was something. 18 that I separated and I think I did some like paper self-help things with you mm-hmm. a long time ago, but that really didn't work. And then to really work with a coach that was in 2020 in the mm-hmm. middle of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, so that was almost two years yes. later when you realized, what was it like for you when you first started having those conversations with a coach around what was going on and the more emotional side and all the things you'd been through? I think I was beyond the real teary, yeah, gut-wrenching things. By then, there were only a couple of things that were still hard for me. So I had been convinced to take out a $10,000 mm-hmm. loan on my 401k, you know, months before we separated. Mm-hmm. And that that was all on me to pay back. And we did bankruptcy, but I did 13. So all of mine got paid back, mm. whereas his did not. And I'm like, how did that happen? Yeah. You know, so when we were going over everything and how to pay off, I had very little credit card debt, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars or something. But the biggest thing was that $10,000 loan, which... At that point, might have been seven or something when I yeah. started with the coach. It was a long, strung out when it would be done. But emotionally, I needed that to be done fast. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, she might have said, let's put X on this and Y on that and this little bit on that loan because it didn't have a high interest mm-hmm. rate. Pay off the high interest rate first. I get it. But emotionally, I had to get rid of that loan. Yeah. I think that's a really important point because a lot of times people think like a 401k loan probably doesn't have a super high interest rate, mm-hmm. right? So not it's not necessary. It's not a high, the same as like a credit card or something where the interest rate could be, you know, 20, 30%, but it's the emotional toll. If you're feeling that this debt makes you, or reminds you of the bad situations you've gone through with money, we have to get rid of that first. Exactly. Yes. And so that's where it's really important to focus on that emotional side versus like the practical of what right. somebody else would tell right. you. Tell me about how you paid off the loan. We did the normal, set up a spreadsheet. Let's look at your debt. Let's look at how much yeah. everything costs. And there were times that I would just double it, even though my coach was saying not. And that's what I loved about all the coaches I've had. Although conventional wisdom says go this way, A, B, C, D. Right. They also know that you have to live life. Mm-hmm. And for me, that emotional thing, I let them know I have to get rid of this. And I know that I'm spending more on this payment than I am on this loan, but I have to get rid of it. So, you know, every time I saw I could put a little more on it, I did. And it was like a glorious day when it was done. Yeah. And doing it your way is really important. Everybody has like their unique story. Did you feel a sense of comparison or like looking at other people and like their situations what was that was it was there any part of it where you felt like why me like why do I have to go through these things I'm sure I did but it wasn't that hard my why me is why didn't I learn sooner yeah 
One of the hard things when I first was on my own was looking at my balance. I knew my rent cost $900 and I knew I was paying XYZ for this, but I still wouldn't look. Yeah. And then I would get this pit in my stomach and I'm like, oh, I got $1,200 for two weeks. Right. That's going to go a long way. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get a week into it and you're like, why is there right. only $300 there? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? What happened? <laughs> Who was spending my bank yeah, account? Yeah, where did that? I look at coaching as an accountability partner. Yeah. And they can freely look at your stuff and have no emotion about it. And they say, hey, Sharon, I thought we were doing 150 for groceries. Looks like you're way over that this month. Yeah, it's funny, too, how you had said that I think I had given you like a worksheet or something. Mm-hmm. Back when I was like first starting out and trying to figure out what my practice was going to be like, I would do a lot of like courses and worksheets and like here, you know, fill this out and all the thing. And I think there is, you know, there's some of it that you can do on your own, but without focusing on really like the deeper, like the habits, all of that, you're only going to get so far. Right. And so I think it's important um, that you were like, no, that didn't work. Like I need to try something else. Right. What else, was there anything else that you had tried that didn't work for you or that you... Well, I did some of those online apps, like the one, uh, I don't even know what they're all called. Like Mint or something. Like Mint and stuff. And again, you got to look at it. Right. (laughs) You don't look at it. (laughs) Right. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. And, you know, for me, the key when I started with a a one-on-one coach um, was separating your money into different places, yeah. not just you spend groceries and the household stuff, but to really have it in different accounts was like revolutionary. Yeah. And the biggest one was food. Like I know everyone was eating a lot during COVID just because what else could we do? Right. <laughs> There's nothing else to do. <laughs> and it yeah. made us feel good. I was spending $900 a month for three of us yeah. on food. And I'm like, are you serious? (laughs) You're reading that wrong. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, when I realized that and I was taught that, well, is there a separate account you can put that in? And then when that money's gone, it's gone. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's this month's food budget. Because before that, if Ethan would say, can we get steak this week? I was like, it's not in the budget. I didn't have a budget. (laughs) (laughs) Or let me see if it's in the budget. Yeah. And then he would call me on it. Well, how much is the budget? (laughs) And you're like, nothing. It's nothing. It's not there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When you think back on where you are now, what is something that you would say to yourself, like just starting out in this journey? Like when, you know, what you realizing that you were in trouble, that something wasn't right, and that you were on your own to take care of it. What would you say to yourself? Um, I would say you're stronger than you think you are. Yeah. Which is odd because I really hate it when people told me (laughs) I was strong when I'm, like, crying. Yeah. I'm all alone. And they're like, Sharon, you're strong. You can do this. And I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah. But I, I was, and I didn't embrace it. I had to be to get my children through school, have a safe and stable home for them. I would try my best not to let my son see me sweat through it. But there were times that he did. And I'm very open with them both now. And I started to be during COVID because, again, we were stuck there Mm -hmm. together. And (laughs) let them know that what I'm doing now, you can do at 20 and 23 and be in a way better place than I am right now at my age. And I know that you actually facilitated your daughter 
who's just starting out in her career working with a money coach, too, yes. which is amazing. Well, I had wanted her to start day one of yeah. a new job. <laughs> she did not. I won't tell her story, but yeah. she had to call mom to bail her out. <laughs> well, first she sent me a text. How do I get with the money coach? Right. Where are they? Where? <laughs> Here you go. And then maybe two weeks later, she called, can I borrow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but can you pay for it, please? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, she's in a good place. And um, I'm starting to get my son in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. Do you feel like now you would consider that like you have your financial life together? Like you feel like you're, you're meant to be, like you feel good about it? I feel really good about it. There's a few other things I want to do. Yeah. I'm going to buy a house and then I do want to further look at real estate investing, like that pool kind of thing. Yeah. I sat in on one of those seminars, um, but I just don't have my mind space there yet. Yeah. Um, and my <clears throat> retirement benefits are much better than I thought they were. Yeah. So, this is yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. That's a it good is. surprise. It is. It is. So... I'm on my way. We have yeah. hiccups. So like where I work now, I can't automatically put my money in three different accounts. I can only send it to one. Yeah. It takes work for me to put everything where I want it. So sometimes that food budget goes over. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about your, like whether it's through your work with your coach or just things you've realized along the way, what was the biggest mindset shift that you had around money? I think... We all know we need money to live and pay our bills, but I think it was kind of controlling me, mm. and I had to let go of that control and control it and tell it what to do for me, and then I was able to see that I could put X in this savings bucket, and I could put this on that loan that needed to be paid off and build up what I needed. Yeah. And I think the old mindset of pay everything off first before you can save anything is where I was. Yes. And if I stayed there, things that came up over these last three years, I wouldn't have been able to pay off. Yeah. And I would be like, oh, my gosh, we had to put our dog down and we had to take her to the emergency vet and all that crazy expensiveness in 2021. And if it had been 2018... I didn't even have a major credit card. I right. wouldn't have even, I, I, I don't know how we're going to get this dog right. any help. But I had money in this bucket, in this savings account that I didn't touch unless I needed it. And unfortunately, it was for a sad thing, but it was there. Yeah. And I could help my kids through the emotion of losing their dog and myself without worrying about how we're paying for this. Yeah. It's so terrible when really sad things happen that involve money. And then on top of that, you have that financial stress. And so I like what you said about this. It's like having the saving mindset instead of just like throwing all of your money into the black hole that is debt. Because I see so many people where they really want to get rid of debt because it, either it's an emotional debt like we talked about or it's credit card debt. So it's a really high interest rate. And so every paycheck, they're putting pretty much all of their money towards paying off that debt instead of their state instead of a rainy day fund right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then a rainy day comes up a really rainy day and they don't have anything they have to use the credit card again and so then it, in their minds they're like oh I am bad at money because look I can't stop using my credit card whereas what you did was shifted it and said I'm going to hold on to my money for the future while I pay off my credit card debt and then when something came up you had that money and then in your brain it's like 
wow, I had that money. Like, yes, this terrible thing happened, but it was there. Like I did it. I don't have to go. It doesn't derail me from right. meeting my goals. I don't have to go back into debt Absolutely. because of it. Yeah. yeah. And like now I have a, still have a little credit card debt and mostly because I'm, I need liquid money when I find a house. Yeah. So there's been a few things over the summer, which have been fun things. We traveled a lot this summer. Yeah. And I had to use a credit card. Right. I'll pay it off. Yeah. And it's something where it's like you have a plan and you feel okay about it. It's not like the end of the world right. for you. I saw a stat the other day that was like as, I don't remember the numbers, but it was like as people get older and as they earn more money, they actually get more credit cards because they realize, oh, I can use this and then pay it off. And it becomes less of a stress, like pressured thing. Mm -hmm. They actually become more comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Whereas like when we're in the situation where we don't earn or earn as much and we don't have as like as much experience with money, having a credit card feels like the end of the world, like having debt on it. And so as time goes on, you get used to it. It doesn't have to be this terrible thing. When you think about your divorce specifically and what you went through in terms of money, is are there things that you wish you would have known before you got married? Yeah, I feel like we talked about money, but yeah. we didn't really talk about money. Yeah. And I think that goes along with certain religions. You have these long premarital mm -hmm. classes and stuff. We didn't. We met yeah. with our pastor twice for two hours or something. And I think with everything that's major like that, a marriage, having children, your money, you really need to have real conversations and probably with the coach, not just yeah. with the mate. Because, you know, like I said, he was perfect with money. And I was like, okay, you can have that. Right. <laughs> You're doing great. It's all, this it's is all wonderful. good with me. But we didn't talk about, and we would say that, oh, we don't want to be the ones that are in credit card yeah. debt, and we don't want to, but we didn't talk about what happens if we get there. Yeah. And it's just so many things that I've learned, and, and we all learn as we grow, of course, but things that I would, that I am teaching my children and questions that they should ask about money, about relationships, you can't go in them blindly, and most of us do. Yeah. And I think also there's a lot of people where, they sometimes there's things you could have known. Yeah, have conversations about it. But realistically, you could have had all the right conversations with him about it. And then he still could have gone on to spend right. like that. It was, sounds like something that developed later. That it, it wasn't his personality. Yeah. So originally. in that case, there's nothing you can you do. do. No. Right. And so that's where there's a lot of women who and I'm sure you have too through like your support groups and just talking about things who are going through divorce or who have gone through divorce and feel a lot of shame around, I wish I didn't know this, I wish I would have known this and all of that. And it's like, sometimes it's you sometimes just it's can't. not the person that you, you yeah. married. And that's People the change, case. yeah. The thing that I had to embrace is that we have seasons of life. Yeah. And back then I had just started working full time for the first time in 20 years. Yeah. Well, 17 years. Because I went part-time in 2001, and my first 40-hour job at the hospital was 2016 or 17. Wow, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. yeah. So that's a huge change. Yeah. So to even think that I could make enough money to take care of myself was yeah. not even a reality in my mind. Yeah. That's a new That's a new idea, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. You've really come a long way. Like, yeah. we just have to think that for yes. a second and <laughs> process it. Oh, yeah. It's huge. I like how you said the seasons of life because a lot of the things that 
a lot of the shame that comes up is that people assume that as you're going through life, you earn more, you go up on this like upward trajectory, up and up and up. It keeps moving along. Everything's moving smooth. If you put money into savings, if you put money into your 401k, don't get a lot of credit card debt, you'll be fine. And that excludes, or I guess it leaves out the life things that happen along Mm -hmm. the way. Like 50% Mm -hmm. of women end up divorced. And that's something where if we assume that the norm is going along a standard path and not veering off of it, we're leaving out 50% of people. So it doesn't really make sense to assume that money works that way. So if you're listening and you have shame, whether it's around divorce, whether it's around divorce and money, whatever it is, just know that you are not alone. And there's so many people who have gone through similar things to the point where it's almost the norm to not have a standard path with money and to have to start over at a certain point, maybe again and again. What would you say to women who have gone through divorce or who are going through a divorce around money and are really holding on to the shame of would have, should have, could have? It's easy to say let go, but find a friend, find a coach if you can. A lot of times we have to spend money to make money. Mm -hmm. So when I started coaching, I didn't necessarily have room in my budget for it. Yeah. But I had come to the conclusion that if I ever was going to get myself on the right path, I had to spend that money. Yeah. When you're in the thick of the emotion of the separation and the divorce, it's hard to... And when you can step beyond that and talk to somebody, find a friend that's good with money, find a friend that's been where you're going, where you are and that you can talk to. Yeah. Or even just like a yeah a support group, group or community. Yes. yes. I found that the times where, because I mean, I'm always bringing up money and I think like people expect that from me now that right. like I'm going to talk about it. But the times where I've heard from people like, yeah, I just started talking about money the other day and everybody else had something to say too. And it was one of the most engaging conversations. It just goes to show that if you open up and talk about it, there are other people who are just waiting for somebody to to be able to have a deeper conversation with. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it helps everybody. Besides getting a coach, what is, and, and opening up, is there anything that you would say to women in general around their mindset with money that they should start thinking about right now? I think everyone, no matter what your situation is, you could be in the most happiest relationship or single. And we all, not we all, but some, a lot of people still have a negative emotion with money, whether Mm -hmm. they believe it or not. Because one of the biggest things was to look back from very young to see how money infiltrated your life emotionally. Just take the deep breath and just start. There's tons of resources that are out there for you, whether it's a book, a podcast, (laughs) (laughs) a friend, and just take control because you should know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Take a deep breath and just start looking and paying attention, even if it's it's slow, even if it fills you with the feeling that you're not good enough when you look at whatever your situation is like that first step Mm -hmm. is huge and you don't have to do it alone thank you so much Sharon ready to experience money without shame then come follow me at Amy Schultz money coach for daily inspo on Instagram I am truly grateful to be on this journey with you thank you so much for tuning in Want to be featured on a future episode or have your own money story to share? Send it to moneywithoutshame at gmail.com. See you next time.